To quote Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, I've been away for too long. Yes, I have, but I'm back today, so we're going to make up for it. Got a bunch of stuff to talk about, a grab bag, personal update, and finally a, uh, a very, very blatant just cry for help at the end. So stick around. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. Hey, everybody. What's up? How are we doing? It has been so long. I had to go and reconfigure audio settings, and I still have some, like, uh... Some of my audio clips that uh, I typically use for like the intro and stuff that I have to go and find because I installed a new hard drive, so the paths are different. So it's been a while. I have no idea what episode number this is. I got no, I'm not even going to guess. 463. Okay, let's go with that. How are you doing? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the existential crisis that exists for the drop set and see if you can help me out here and, and come to a little bit of a resolution on this. But we're going to talk about some other stuff. We'll get to that later. Um, you know, we got... We got other shit to deal with, right? I think we do. I think we do. So let's let's talk about some other stuff. It's been a while. What's happened um, since last we were together? I don't know. When were we last together? Um, that's how ill prepared I am. I didn't I didn't see what the previous episode number was. I didn't see uh, when it was. I don't know what I talked about. I'm hoping I don't repeat anything here. You know how it goes here. It's kind of haphazard. That's part of the problem. That's part of the existential crisis as well. So. Um, we need some, we need some solutions here, but we're going to cover some other topics first. So I've been hanging on to some suggestions from people. Some of these go back to a ways, uh, they go back a while. Uh, so mm, uh, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna hit him here and I'm going to, uh, have some, uh, some detours along the way as well. So, um, Let's see. I uh, we're gonna hit a couple here from uh, from Christine. Some uh, question, questions that she had here. Um, these go back a while, and she's she's probably gonna listen to this and be like, "I don't remember asking those questions." I'm like that's fair. It's because it was from 2004, um, and you know I sat on them for a long time. There you go. Um, so she said, uh, "Dealing with macros." Um, this is not phrased as a question, so I'm not gonna change it for her. dealing with macros when you have a spouse who doesn't follow them. I've talked about this before. I could write a book on this because my spouse does not follow. Me macros. She thinks I'm crazy for doing it. And that's fine. She's probably right, realistically. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> how do you do it? You, you get them on board with the fact that you're a fucking psychopath. Okay. That, that has a lot to do with it. And just accept that. That's part of why they love you. That's part of, they want, part of why they want to be with you because you're just fucking crazy enough to kind of make them seem normal. I think that's what it is, right? And they can always be like, oh, Darren, he's just, you know, he's doing his thing, right? He's crazy. You know how he is. And everybody's like, yeah, we know how he is. Uh-huh. You can just be that person, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but realistically, like, you got to have a conversation um, with with your significant other, whoever it is, from the get-go and just make sure that they're on board with it. And if they aren't, impress upon them, like, how important it is to you to do it. Um, because if they think like a, a lot of it comes down to like, I think people have some insecurity, like, okay, they're trying to lose weight and get real hot. So they're going to leave me or something like that. And 
I don't maybe some of y'all are. I don't know. <laughs> I don't pretend to know everybody's motivation for everything, but um, typically, no. Like especially if it's for a show, it's like, no, I'm doing this because I got to do this. You know, I just I want to do this. It's you know, it's a hobby. It's just a hobby that revolves around food or lack of food, right? So um, it comes with the territory. But you just got to have a conversation with the person. Make sure they understand on a pretty deep and intimate level, like why you're doing it, why it's important to you, and that it's also okay that they don't do it as well if they don't want to. Like you're doing it for you, not for them. That's totally cool. Um, like my wife and I, you know, do we, we, we eat dinner together. Um, we always eat different stuff. Um, I always eat the same stuff. She always eats whatever sounds good to her on a given day. Uh, and that's fine. And, uh, the big thing for me is that during prep, when we're, when I'm food restricted, um, is that I don't make my diet her problem because it's fucking not her problem, right? So there's no dietary martyrdom going on or anything like that. Like, oh, my diet's so hard. I'm so hungry. Like, you got to tell yourself to shut the fuck up before those words come out of your mouth. Like, no, no, because your spouse very rightfully will say, well, you can just shut up and eat a Pop-Tart then and problem solved, right? And to be clear, like, they would be well within their right to do that. Like, stop bitching and moaning you chose to do this you dumb asshole. <laughs> like all of that stuff would be valid. Um, so own it, own your prep. You don't have to be happy about it, but you know, just suffer in silence. Keep it to yourself. If you've got the kind of relationship with your partner where you can whine and bitch and moan a little bit and it makes you feel better and they'll, they'll be there to support you. Cool. I would say that's pretty rare. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily go in expecting that by any stretch of the imagination, but have that conversation and make sure that they understand on a pretty deep level, why it's important to you, what's involved, how long you have to do it for, how restrictive it's going to be, what kind of exceptions you can make if you can. Um, and also like, you know, embrace a little bit of macronutrient planning so that you can do some stuff together here and there. You can do some things that aren't necessarily like what you would do every day, but you can do a little bit of macronutrient Kung Fu to make it work. Um, you know, we're, my wife and I are in a pretty boring, um, phase right now where like we almost went out to brunch last weekend and you know, it was eight o'clock. We were both up and on Sunday and we're like, do you want to go? Cause we talked about it on Saturday night. We're like, do you really want to go? And like, mm, not really. <laughs> like, you know, and we, we, we have this thing now where it's like, well, if neither of us are really excited about it, let's just not do it. Right. It's just easier if we don't. So, um, I mean, it's easier for me. And also it's just like getting ready, getting out of the house, et cetera. You know, we, we're those people like we could just stay here with our dogs instead. You know, that seems kind of appealing. So, um, but I was prepared to do it and, um, it's the first meal of the day. So I've got macros to play with. I had some idea. I knew where we were going. I had some idea of what their menu looked like. I knew I was going to have to order something that was a little higher in fats. I was going to have to pull back some fats later in the day. Like the idea was to go there and still make it macro appropriate for the day. You can do that. You can do that. It depends on how restrictive your macros are, but get creative with it. You don't have to be a goddamn food hermit all the time, all the time, even on prep, um, unless you're deep in prep and then yeah, you, you probably need to be, but that, you know, save that for when it's absolutely necessary. Um, Christine also asks macro fundamentals. Are there common items that should be weighed cooked versus raw? Uh, and she had a follow-up um, example here, but I'll just ditch that because uh, the answer is, is really pretty simple. Um, no, now, there are certain things that I always measure cooked and always measure raw, but it depends on how it's prepped. So, like, if I batch prep something, how am I weighing it out? Well, it's already been cooked, so I'm going to weigh it out cooked. Like, am I going to pull a raw chicken breast out of the fridge and cook it and eat it? No. Like, am I going to do that every time I, I go to, to make chicken? Fuck no. Who has time for that shit? 
I guess some people probably do, but I am not one of those people. No, I cook like four pounds of it at a time. So it all cooks down to whatever weight it is, but that's the weight that I measure out. So you, you log and track how you measure it. Those two things, like you can find in whatever app you use, an entry for chicken breast raw or chicken breast cooked. That entry has to match how you measure it. That's it. it it's that simple. It's very, very easy. So um, for me, the only things that I ever measure dry would be breakfast carbs, whether it's cream of rice or oats, just because I'm not going to batch prep, you know, five cups of oats and then pull that out of fridge and like measure it out already cooked. Like, you know, you just measure it dry. You add some water, you stick it in the microwave for two minutes. You're done. Like it's easy, right? Fine. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. So, um, it just depends like, you know, chicken, ground Turkey, rice, um, all those things. I just batch prep by the bucket full. Um, and so those things all get logged as, uh, as cooked food entries. I should also apologize here in two days on Friday. I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 24th. We'll see if I get May 24th, by the way, <laughs> we'll see if I get this up before June 24th. I'm a little slow on the uptake here. We'll talk about some of that stuff momentarily too. I just want to give you guys a little bit of value. You know what you come here for before I start talking about all my own bullshit. Right? So we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but uh, I've been dealing as of Friday, it will be in three weeks that I've been dealing with like some congestion and a cough, et cetera. And it's just like, uh, it's not going away. So if I take pauses here, it's cause I got to like hock up some stuff or like have a, a coughing fit where I pee my pants or something like that. So, um, if this is a little disjointed and it's like, he's obviously taking breaks, what's he doing? I'm not taking a hit off the crack pipe. I'm probably, at least not that you know of, I'm probably just coughing my nuts off. So, um, so yeah, just me measure how, you know, log it. However you measure it, that that's the simple hard and fast rule on that. So thank you. Christine. So, um, this is from, um, this is from a client I will not name, um, because I'm pissed at him. Um, <laughs> a, a former client actually, who we had just started prep and then he discontinued coaching because he wanted to work with his, with a trainer in person who had never prepped anybody for a show. And I'm like, dude, that is a fucking dumb idea. So I'm not going to call him out by name, but I'm going to say like, that's a dumb fucking idea. So don't do that. You know, contest prep is a hard thing. Do not work with a trainer that was, that has never prepped anybody for a show unless you're okay with being a guinea pig and having a shitty time because it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Um, you know, anyway, I'll get off my soapbox here. But the question is, um, he says, uh, sorry, he or she says, damn it, I gave it away. The day after a workout, I find myself being disappointed if I'm not sore. Question is, if you're not getting sore, did you work hard enough? If you're not getting sore, are you going to grow? Cool. So that is a very common question. Um, and what I would say is soreness is not a prerequisite for growth. However, not to contradict myself, but if you're working at an appropriate level of intensity, you're going to be sore more often than not. So um, a lack of soreness, here's what I would say, like, um, this is the best example I can give you, real-world example for me right here. Uh, I've started segmenting out my back days, so I have a, a day that's focused on lats and a day that's focused on upper back. More like, you know, it, it's pull-downs, et cetera, and then it's more like heavy, heavier rows, like, you know, T-bar, um, upper back rows, and things like that. So more, more trap-focused. Um, the lats, I can go for days. I mean, you know, 
it feels extremely effective. Everything's sore the next day. Um, all the movements feel super engaged, etc. On the upper back days, like I struggle to get the same connection and I'm rarely sore the next day. So that that's an issue where it's like that lack of soreness speaks to a lack of engagement for me. And so that's, that's something to troubleshoot and that's something I'm working on right now. So, um, and that's, that's, it's a weak area for me. Like if you look at my back poses, if I ever post one online, which I rarely do because they fucking suck. Okay. It's embarrassing. Like my back shots are terrible. You'd be like, Haha, that guy should probably go to the gym someday. Like from the front, it's okay. And you turn around and like, okay, he's never trained back in his life. I trained back twice a week, motherfucker. Ugh. Uh, it just, you know, it's a, it's a lack of engagement. It just sucks. It's, it's hard and it's rarely ever sore because I'm not engaging it correctly. Now, by the same token, my delts hardly ever get sore, but they feel super engaged. They feel super pumped during the workout. They grow. It's just, you know, they have a, a higher threshold for feeling that kind of soreness, right? So it's not necessarily, um, it's not a rock solid conclusion that you can draw like, Oh, if I'm, if I'm not sore, it was a bad workout. I will say if you are sore, you probably did a good job, right? That we can, we can say that like you hit the muscle, it, it got some attention. It's feeling it cool. That's great. Um, but it doesn't necessarily go the other way. It's more like 50, 50. If you're not sore, could be a problem. Maybe not. Um, and it comes down to, does the muscle feel engaged? And that is a question that I've found that, especially with less experienced lifters, I don't really know how to answer that question. And what I mean is like, can you squeeze the muscle? And like, you know, with my upper back, I can squeeze it all day long. And like, I can feel the blood flow back there, et cetera. As soon as I throw a movement with weight onto it, it breaks down real fast. Like before I get to a weight that's particularly challenging. Um, so I think, you know, I've got to hit um, back. I'm taking tomorrow off, but I'll hit upper back on um, Friday, I think. I don't think that's lat day. I think it's upper back day. Either way, it probably should be upper back day. I should probably hit upper back four times a week. Um, so maybe the strategy is just going to be, I just need to keep things super light and slow and get that engagement and build that floor of mind muscle connection that for some reason after 20 years still has not developed and finally just say, fuck it, we're getting this done and then grind it out. Um, but keep the weight really low and then force slow progressive overload over time from there. So, um, while I'm pissed at that guy, that was a good question. Um, what else do we got? What else do we, I'm going through, I'm going to just kind of clearing out my folder here right now. So, um, let's see. <laughs> okay. Um, there, a couple of people have asked questions about, um, menopause, et cetera. I want to save that one for a different one because that's worth digging in a little bit more deeply. I will say that um, it's going to require blood work to know what's going on. It's not one of those phases of life that you want to guess your way through, especially if you're doing bodybuilding during that, um, during the, the transition, as they call it. Um, like you want to see what's going on. You want to know what's going on under the hood. You don't want to just, you know, rely on like, oh, I'm having hot flashes. Like, yeah, but, you know, like need to check your, your E2, your progesterone. So um, that would be a phase of life where it'd be more appropriate to get blood work done more frequently just so that you can see what's happening to know if any kind of intervention is needed. We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that. So um, this, uh, so th this uh, question here, um, Let's see. She's got a bunch. This is from Jen. Um, Jen Morris. So 
How you doing, Jen? By the way, we worked together um, a while back, um, and we're not working together now. Um, but hi, Jen. If you're hearing this, hope you're doing well. Um, again, this is how long I've been hanging on to some of these. Oh, the, this this is from so and so. They died of old age five years ago. You know, it's like thing. There's nothing like that in here. But man, um, so. She had a couple of things here um, that are good. Um, and actually, there's a few of these that I kind of like. So I'm going to cover uh, a handful of these. How to set up a home gym and what equipment would be needed. Basic to more advanced. So that that's a good one here. So I have more people now, uh, more clients training in home gyms than ever before. And to some extent, it's maddening um, because none of them are created equal. And like, I try to standardize, like, here's the, the bare bones of what I need you to have. And invariably, somebody's missing something, right? So it's like, uh, oh, I've got dumbbells. I've got a barbell. I've got plates. I don't have a rack. It's like, we're not there. We're not there. Or I've got all that stuff, but my dumbbells only go up to 25 pounds. Fuck. You know, it's like, you know, so here's what I would say. You need dumbbells that go beyond your need. So if you're like, I don't think I'd ever use a dumbbell more than 30 pounds, make sure you've got some that go up to 55 because you're going to need those because chances are you only think you don't need anything over 30. You probably do. And especially if we're relying exclusively on dumbbells, you're going to be doing some heavy stuff with dumbbells and doing heavy RDLs with 30 isn't going to do it. It's not going to do it. So, um, heavier dumbbells than you think you need. That is the first most basic thing that is absolutely essential. You can't have a decent home gym without a good set of dumbbells, preferably that go up in at the most five pound increments. Two and a half pounds is better. Bowflex Select Tech dumbbells are great for this. Powerblock makes some too. There's all kinds of brands out there that do this shit. So um, next would be the combination of a rack, a bar, and some plates. Um, that's next. Um, and with that, get a landmine that you can clip onto your rack as well, so that you can do T-bar rows, you can do landmine squats, and 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 more from that. So. You could also do a landmine press. So um, barbell, like a good seven foot Olympic bar. Um, you don't need a power lifters, you know, 1100 pound capacity or anything like that. It can be a cheaper bar. That's fine. Um, but consider in your home gym, you're going to be using that for a lot of shit. So invest a little bit of money in a good bar. How much weight do you need? This is one of those things where, you know, with the dumbbells, you really kind of need to invest in a good set of adjustable dumbbells, I think, um, which is going to be kind of pricey. And so when you're buying that set, you know, you don't want to buy a set that goes up to 30 pounds and then realize that you've grown out of that. And then you're like, okay, well, I guess I need to sell these and get a bigger set or let me buy a pair of 35s and buy a pair of 40s and buy a pair of 45s like that gets untenable really quick. With plates, it's like, you know, get the weight that you think you need now, and then you can always get more. Don't get bumper plates. Bumper plates are more expensive. You don't need bumper plates. You're not doing CrossFit, at least not if you're working with me. So um, just get standard Olympic plates. Um, they're cheaper than bumper plates anyway. So, um, the, and, and get a good set of bands. And by a good set, I mean the surgical tubing bands that have the clip-on handles um, that you can use, and then also the heavier loop bands that you'd use for like assisted pull-ups. And get a range, like a set of like four or five of those in various thicknesses, um, because we'll use those for a lot of things. Um, bands are always the option of last resort, but since we don't have any machines in a home gym, we're going to have to use bands to improvise some stuff. Um, beyond that, I would say if you're like, okay, I got that. What are the next things that I need? Here are the next two things that I would recommend. 
some type of a cable setup, like a cable attachment for a rack is a good thing. Lots of racks out there have these built in. Some of them have them as options as well. You could get a separate station, but then the footprint becomes an issue. A separate station is way more expensive. Like you can spend 40 bucks and get a little pulley that has a strap that clips onto your rack and that has a little loading pin on it. You can put plates on there and do like pull down shit and tricep stuff. That is the, the lamest of all options, but at 40 bucks, it's like, okay, that's it's something at least, right? And then you get some attachments. Um, if you can get one that's designed for your rack, or if you don't have a rack, buy one that has an add-on design for it that would let you do a high and a low pulley. That would be awesome. The next thing beyond that would be, and this this can be a little bit more of an investment, would be some kind of a leg press. Um, because that's one of those things, it's like, you just can't, you know, a leg press is a staple in so many workouts and you just, there's nothing that replaces it. There really isn't. It doesn't have to be a great leg press. Like Titan makes a vertical leg press. It's like 450 bucks, has a pretty small footprint. It's a little janky. It gets the job done. I've got one in my garage. If anyone's local to Knoxville, I'll give it to you for 150 bucks. Like swing by, pick it up. I will help you load it in your, in your vehicle. It would fit in an SUV and I will give you a big hug and a monster zero for your trouble. So, um, that, that comes free with $150 purchase price. So West Knoxville hit me up. Uh, I'm 100% not joking. Absolutely. I'm dead serious. I got to get it out of my garage. I'm too lazy to put it on Facebook marketplace. I will in a week. So you've got a, a limited time frame on that. Um, so that, that's how I would do it. Um, uh, Jen also asks, um, wearable tracking devices, biometrics, et cetera. Um, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. And this, this goes back to like step counters. Yes. I think there's value in step counters so that you can track your activity, track your neat, especially during prep, because, you know, I like to tell clients, okay, we're getting 10,000 steps you know, starting, you know, th this week, let's aim for 12,000. You know, I don't need to do more focused cardio, but just get some more steps in, take a walk, etc. You know, if, if you just take, you know, after every meal, you go and take a walk for five minutes, that'll probably be enough to get you, you know, an extra 2000 steps per day, you know, more activity gets you outside a little bit. Great. You know, that, that's a huge bonus. So a step counter, incredibly useful, incredibly useful. I could care less what it tells you about your heart rate, about your calories burned, about your sleep quality. Here's the thing. Like, did you sleep like crap? You will know it. You don't need a fucking watch to tell you if you slept like shit. Like, Oh, I got a, I got a 62 on my sleep score. Yeah. Well, you probably, you probably intuitively know that you got something like that when you wake up and you just feel like ass and you're still tired as hell. Right. You don't need a watch to tell you that. Um, the calorie burn thing is simply not accurate. You know, I've looked down um, at my Fitbit that I used to wear, which is really what's informing my opinion on a lot, on a lot of this stuff here. Um, and I'm in, I'm in the gym. I'm in between sets. I'm not working terribly hard. My heart rate's 85, something like that. My watch says it's 150. I'm like, well, that's some bullshit. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've been on the treadmill before where I'm doing the same thing. And, like, I'm going. I'm like, okay, my, tar my heart rate's probably around 120 right now. It says it's 65. <laughs> or it says it's 190. I'm like, the shit is just not accurate. And it bases your calorie number based on what it perceives your heart rate as. So if it's wrong enough throughout the day, that number is going to be skewed. And ultimately all it does is makes people ask, <laughs> this is why I find it very annoying. It says I'm burning 1900 calories a day. So why am I only eating 1300? Like we're trying to lean you out. Okay. So you're going to be at a deficit. It's probably not 
accurate compared to what your watch is telling you. So don't worry about that number. Like you don't need more data mucking up stuff if it's not something that can be accurately and objectively measured. So not a big fan of wearables. Not not really. Um, and Jen also asks training accessories, belts, wraps, straps, what's needed and why. Um, so, oh man, I could talk about this for a while. I'm going to try and keep it relatively brief. Um, belts, unless you have um, a back injury, um, do not wear a belt. You don't need it. Um, a belt will be there to provide a false sense of security that you do not need and haven't earned. Um, and it can make you ego lift. Um, and it's actually more likely to cause a problem than prevent one. Um, now, if you do have some kind of spinal issue and you have to be really mindful about intra-abdominal pressure and maintaining spinal neutrality, then a belt can help with that. But otherwise, I find it just a mechanism to help somebody with ego lifting, and I'm not a fan. Not a fan of belts. And I can't tell you also, I am biased against this because of all the people that I see in the fucking gym wearing belts all day long for no reason, like standing there doing curls, etc. And they're not even like, it's a fashion accessory. Like they're not even cinched up tight or anything like, it's like hanging off their torso. Like, what are you doing? Oh my God. It's like some rite of passage for everybody who becomes an IFBB pro to get a belt with their name on it. Fuck me running. Oh my God. Stop that trend, please. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a fucking shit at all. I'm I'm kind of negative today, aren't I? Man, I don't know where that came from. Um, So belts, no. Wraps, so wrist wraps. A fan, situationally. For heavy presses, like I have dainty little musician wrists. I, uh, I benefit from wraps on heavy presses. Whether it's a barbell press, dumbbell press, machine press, it doesn't matter. My wrists just kind of... They they feel fragile and weak when they're back in an extended position like that and bearing a load. And the the wraps help. They just pro- provide compressive support, um, and that's it. Um, straps are the one thing that if I'm traveling and I know I'm going to be working out wherever I go, straps I will never leave behind. If I leave my straps behind on accident and it's supposed to be back day at the gym where I'm going, it's like, mm, not back day anymore. Nope, not doing it without straps. Not doing it. Unless the gym has mag bars for everything and then I can, I, I, you can't use straps with mag bars anyway. So, um, but that's why I limit my mag bar exercises because my fingers, they, they, again, dainty. I have dainty hands. I do. I got calluses, but my hands are dainty. They, they really are. So, you know, you got to go easy on me. Uh, I'm a huge fan of lifting straps. Huge, huge fan of lifting straps. Um, Versa grips, eh, same thing. You know, they're just easier to use, more expensive, um, not worth it. I say invest the time and figure out how to use your lifting straps well and quickly. Uh, it's You're more hardcore that way. It's more street cred. We like street cred. Um, what else is there? There's like blood flow restriction bands. Um, so, uh, scientifically, scientifically shown to not impact hypertrophy in any significant way. Um, so you can leave the BFR bands at home. Um, what else do we have? What else is there? Um, it will help with a pump, by the way, it'll help with the pump. It does not improve, um, hypertrophy though. So don't conflate the two. Uh, a pump does not mean additional muscle growth. So, um, there's studies for that. There's research that's been shown on that. I won't dig it up because, you know, it's not like I'm going to read a URL to you over the podcast, but it's out there if you want to look for it. Um, so what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? What else do I have? Yeah, accessories that I carry around. You know the little clip-on handles, like the single handles that you use and clip into cables for cable crossovers, cable flies and stuff? Um, I got a set of those off of Amazon, and I carry those around in my bag because all the gyms that I go to, it's impossible to find a matching set of handles. And plus, it's like, I don't want to use ones that other people have been touching. Like, 
they can get kind of gross. And so like I thought about carrying around my own rope attachment as well for that reason. Cause that thing like germs get on that thing. It's like, no. So I carry around, um, a set of my own handles there. The problem now is that both of the gyms that I go to, they have acquired in their inventory, the exact same handles that I ordered off Amazon. So now it, whenever I put them back in my bag, it always looks like I'm stealing the ones from the gym. I'm like, you assholes. Like these are good. Like they're really super high quality and they got the same ones. Like they've got the same logo branded on them and everything. I'm like, bastards. Ugh. Anyway, um, what else? What else is in my bag? Um, I got a tape measure in my bag for ego checking the arms after arm day. I haven't used that thing in a year because the number's too depressing at this point. Um, all it showcases is there's a three quarter of an inch difference between my left and right arm. Last thing I need to do is just see that more and more. Um, what else is in my bag? Not too much. Not too much, I don't think. That's pretty much it. If I haven't talked about it here, you don't need it. It's it's pretty worthless. Um, what else do I have? Um, so I have um, my uh, DJI action camera, um, which I have not used a whole lot, but I have a magnetic mount for that as well. So I will use that for gym videos. Um, I just haven't really been taking many videos lately. So I carry that around with me. Um, and what else is in my bag? I have a headband for days when I'm really, really sweating. Haven't used that too much because they finally keep the door to the pool closed. So the humidity in the gym stays in control. Um, I carry around a couple of bands um, that I use as my dynamic warm-up for, uh, to help with shoulders. I do some shoulder rehab stuff. So I carry around a couple of loop bands um, to help with that so that I don't have to hunt down the bands in the gym. Um, and uh, change of a shirt. That's most of the stuff that's in my bag. And my logbook, of course. Um, oh, a carabiner. I clip a carabiner on the handle of my bag as well because the last thing I want to do is go to do a pull-down and find that some dipshit has taken the carabiner off of it as, as well as the bar, and then I have to go hunt it down. And the gyms where I train have notoriously always been short. Like, there's always a couple of cable stations that don't have a carabiner. So I went to Home Depot and bought three or four, and I keep them clipped on my bag just in case. Um, the only problem is it's really easy to forget it and leave it behind, right? And then if you take it off and clip it on your bag, you look like the asshole. But you're like, that's mine. It's mine. So that's all the stuff that I take with me on a regular basis. Water bottle, you know, shaker cup, pre-workout, et cetera. So, um, okay. So there we go. There we go. We talked about some shit. So let me, let me talk about some other shit here. I got a lot going on, man. I tell you what. So I'm, I'm firing the YouTube channel back up here, and I'm going to be doing some produced videos, and I would love some ideas from you on topics to cover for those videos. These are going to be short-ish form, like four to eight minutes long on a topic, probably. So um, I've got a few ideas in the hopper, but I would love ideas from all you for, um, for, um, for those videos as well. So uh, I also actually... Uh, recently launched my video production company because, you know, I have so much spare time, like why not pick up more stuff? So um, I think since the last episode that we've done, um, the first music video that I shot for my band has been um, recorded and released. Um, so that was April of uh, like April 21st, I think was the date on that. I don't think I've done a podcast since then. I know I'm a slacker, right? Um, it was uh, a zero budget affair in our garage. Um, and then we just started shooting another one this last weekend and we'll hope to finish it this weekend. Um, it was, we built a pretty elaborate set in our basement. And if you uh, check out my production company on social media, you can check it out. Um, if you go on Instagram, it's Sketchy Studios 865, 865 being the area code for Knoxville. So um, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, this is not, 
this is not something that's going to supplant my uh, career as a bodybuilding coach or anything like that. Um, but it's, it's a passion project. It's something to do for fun. And also there is a direct carryover from the skills that I'm learning with this and uh, what I can do for work, both with social media videos. Like if you've noticed, like the reels that I've um, been putting up lately on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook, they all have a little bit more of a cinematic feel to them because they're getting you know lit properly. Um, and then also with the YouTube videos that I'm going to be putting up, same thing there using the same skill set. I, I, I got into learning how to do this specifically to make music videos. So it's just kind of a happy accident that my uh, my business related stuff is going to uh, go up as well. The, the reason why I, I started doing all this actually is I hired a videographer last year to help me produce some um, videos for the website. And in looking at those now, I'm like, man, those are amateurish. Like, uh-uh, no, no, no. So I got to redo those. I'll redo them myself and they're going to look a million times better. So, um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's something like I've always kind of wanted to learn how to do this, but I recently just took a course. Um, that was a very cheap, quick online course, but it's like the way that they explained it in that course, everything made sense regarding camera settings. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like they just explained it in a dumb enough way. I'm like, I absolutely get that now. I understand. Okay, let's go. So, um, it's been, uh, it's been helpful. So Anyway, launch that Sketchy Studios 865 on Instagram, sketchystudios865.com as well is me. Um, that website has been purchased, but there's nothing there yet. I have to uh, get around to doing that still. So um, that's happened. Let's see. What else? We almost moved to Denver um, in the past month. Ended up not happening. I'll spare you all the details. We're staying in Knoxville. Um, so there's that. What else? What else? What else? I don't know, man. I don't know. So let's talk um, podcast longevity. Here, here's the thing. And so I've had several clients who have asked me and said, hey, when's the next podcast coming? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I got so much other stuff to do. The thing is, like, this podcast has been a very effective, like, lead generator for me. You know, I, I've, I've gotten a lot of clients who found me through this podcast. So to say that I don't get anything out of it is not true. Now, there's no direct monetary, you know, the, the podcast is not a, an income stream or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I do it because I like doing it. But also, like, I don't like doing stuff that I don't do well. And I feel like I put together an okay episode considering the level of planning that I, go, that puts, that I put into it, which is to say almost zero. Um, but I feel I put on something that's, you know, listenable and decent and informative and maybe even sometimes partially entertaining if I, you know, have had enough cocaine, um, a big enough bump before starting to hit the record button. Um, but... The, the problem is on the back end of things, like people are listening to it, but it's been 220 something episodes and it's just like the metrics aren't there. Like at some point you're thinking like, okay, I either got to start doing this right or just give up. Um, and so I'm still, oh, you hear that? It's going to do it again in about another 20 seconds. We're going to hear that beep. I'll shut up when it comes on and then I'll tell you what it was. Okay, I just made a massive edit because it was actually like 90 seconds for that next beep to come on. That was the dehumidifier signaling that it's full. I know, right? It, I, it, if it was 20 seconds, it would have been worth it. I think that would have been a funny pause. But at a minute and a half, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. I can't be that lazy. I got to edit that out. So anyway, now I'll spend 90 seconds talking about it. And it'll be like I never edited out anything. So um, I, I got to grow the audience is what it comes down to. And I'm not really sure how to do that other than to beg and ask. So if you enjoy this, please share these episodes. 
tag me in them, leave reviews wherever you can. Um, I need to get some merch. Like I got to have some bumper stickers or something like that. Some t-shirts. I'm not giving up. Like I just don't quit on shit. I don't. That's, it's one of my, um, either best or worst qualities. I I just don't quit on shit, even if maybe I should, (laughs) but I just don't, like, I'm not going to, at this point, I've invested a lot of time and a lot of effort into this. And there's a big library of shit and I'm not just going to rest on my laurels and say like, okay, well that archives there. If anybody wants to listen to it now, you know, it might not be two episodes a week or something like that. But again, it kind of depends on the feedback that I get from you. Like what kind of stuff, um, do you want to hear about? Like I could certainly envision a thing where, you know, I do a produced and highly edited YouTube video on a topic and then come on here and talk about that same topic in a much more broad and expanded sense as well. So like, if you've got an idea for one that can probably be used for both, et cetera. So Help me out. This is my my call for help. Please, please. And beyond that, I will end there and say I'm going to leave you with some uh, some new outro music as well. So the intro music is uh, a song that I wrote. The outro music, it's the start of a song, and the outro music is the end of that same song. Um, the song itself is like 8 minutes and 20 seconds long, so you're not getting the full thing, but nonetheless. Um, I figured it kind of made more sense to like bookend the podcast with the same song rather than use a different one at the start and finish. So there you go. Anyway, I appreciate you hanging in there You know, for all the you know 15 people that are listening to this episode after I've been on a hiatus for two months or whatever. So I'm getting back to it. I do need your help. So, um, you know, help me out how you can. Give me some ideas, some feedback, what kind of stuff you want to hear.